0: Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Camila Calvalcante. She is a Brazilian visual artist and researcher living in Scotland, she is the founder of Nos Por Todas Project, it is a feminist photography production on the different experiences of women in Brazil who experience abortion. Camila, thank you so much for joining this podcast.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Natalia, for inviting me and for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. Thank you very much.
0: Camila, I am very, very grateful that we get to meet once again for this podcast. Um, it's been a while since we um, touched base with the Ser Mujer en Latin America project at the beginning in 2017. Um, we have uh, talked about the Nos Portotas project, project uh, that you have been uh, um, working and researching about abortion in Brazil and sexual and reproductive rights of women in, in your home country. And I would like um, to have this opportunity for the world and everybody that's joining this podcast to learn more about your project and your wonderful work. Um, so can you share with us um, how Nos todas started?
1: Okay, um, so uh, I am a visual artist and a researcher, as Nathalia was saying, and I am from Brazil, from... Um, from the northeastern state of Alagoas in Brazil, which is a very poor state, a very small state in the country. Um, and uh, But I live in Scotland. So I moved uh, to Scotland in 2013. So basically, um, I all my projects as a visual artist, I'm very interested more generally in empathy. I'm very interested in how is it that one thing stops being personal and starts becoming something that is social or collective. I'm interested in these sort of intersections between um, public and private and like the personal and the political. And um, and so I again, as I am uh, know my projects, I try to put myself in the position of that thing that I want to talk about. So I have done that in the past with with projects that were, you know, like i obviously uh, most of my projects have a lot to do with social issues. I have a, a, a background in journalism, and so that, that is part of my of my roots of uh, like who I am and what I believe. And so it's very important to me to speak out about social inequalities and social justice. And so um, in 2015, 2016, I, um, the sort of context of uh, of political context in Brazil started to shift because um, we had, uh, uh, we started to, to see this movement uh, very misogynistic, very sexist uh, movement all over Latin America, but in Brazil in particular, that uh, wanted to, um, you know, focus on on women and on taking away our rights basically. And they particularly wanted to hit us uh, in terms of reproductive rights. Now, mind you that uh, abortion in Brazil is legal only in three cases, which is uh, when it's in case of rape. Uh, second, if it, if it endangers the mother's life. Um, and third, in cases of a, um, a, an encephalus uh, fetus, which is basically when the fetus is being developed without a brain. Um, and But obviously, like anywhere else in the world, uh, research uh, showed that regardless of that, regardless of the regulations, um, Brazilian women have abortions just like any other women. And so um, research showed that one in five women in Brazil, uh, and that is a conservative number, but one in five women in Brazil between 14 and 40 years old have had at least one abortion in their lifetime. And so um, this this, uh, is just to show that it doesn't matter, if the country legislates against it, if a woman wants to terminate their pregnancy, they will find a way to do so, including putting their own lives at risk. So I, um, in and with that sort of context in 2015, I, I was feeling very um, frustrated because I was in Scotland and I couldn't be there to go, to be on the streets with my sisters, and so I, I decided to do a project that was more overtly feminist, like something that was more obviously feminist. And so I, I've created "Nos Por Todas, which literally translates into us for our women. And what I did was that I wrote um, a letter, uh, kind of like an open call to women uh, in Brazil to uh, share with me their experiences and opinions about uh, illegal abortions in Brazil. And so I then asked them to collaborate with me so that they could tell me the stories and asking if I could photograph them with their identities protected. Now, uh, this is the part that's tricky because as I said before, uh, um, I try to put myself in the position of the thing that I wanna talk about, but I've I've never had an abortion myself. And so the way that I came up with to kind of like, to do, to, to balance that, I wanted to, to balance that power structure. Cause like I was coming in to somebody that I didn't know, asking them to share with me the biggest secret of their life. So I thought that I needed to find a way to be, to expose myself like they were exposing themselves. And so, um, so that's why in all the pictures, um, it's also a self-portrait, so I I am in every single picture with every single woman that I photographed, and we're both naked, but I am the only one who's facing the camera, and they have their back uh, to the camera. So in that sense, I am exposing myself, my body, my identity, my face, my name uh, in in their name because they cannot do that, and so so that's how the project developed, and uh, and I ended up uh, creating a network of of Women and I photographed 50 women in total um, of which 30 uh, made the final edit for a book that I published afterwards that the book uh, 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 is called For the Lives of All Women. It's a bilingual book, so it's Pela Vida das Mulheres uh, in Portuguese and it was published here in the UK with an independent publisher called Break the Habit Press. But this is, a, is the project in a nutshell basically. Very su- very succinct. <laughs> I
0: love it because there are many elements that we can uh, um, draw upon, and I would like maybe um, as I started to understand a bit of, a better the concept of um, the context of Brazil. Um, you said 2015, 2016, I mean, Brazil was booming after Lula da Silva's government, I mean, at least in social terms. Um, Then Dilma Rousseff came, then Michel Temer came, and now we have Bolsonaro. Um, Can you share with us your view of this transition and how it meant, this administration, what it meant for women's rights in in Brazil?
1: Yeah, sure. So we had some good things that happened uh, um, uh, for women's rights uh, when Dilma was a president, especially in her first term as a president. Um, we had the, the law, um, the Maria de Peña law, which is a, a law against uh, violence against women and domestic violence, which is considered a very um, liberal and very open law. Um in terms of like, it's a very feminist law that really protects women. Uh, and also she was the first president who um, who signed the, the law to create, you know, to, to name what femicide is, because up to that point we didn't record um, uh, men, men's violence against women, or when a man murder murders a woman, we didn't call it femicide, and so therefore, it was not very easy to tackle that. Like when you don't name it, so so the the femicide uh, it was something that was also very important that Duma did uh, when she was a president. But she was still a president. But the problem is that um, the when on her second uh, term when she was elected uh, we already had we elected basically the most conservative congress um, since the dictatorship that we had which meant that we had like a very high number of um, of congress people who were highly religious um, and uh, very much in favor of uh, Guns, and uh, we we call it the 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 BBB group because in Portuguese it goes for um, uh, Biblia, bala e Boi. Biblia boy bala. Boy is like a cow, uh, bala is is um, bullet, and uh, Biblia is the Bible. So it's the Bible, the bullet, and the, and the, um, the cow, meaning the the to destroy you know using agriculture as a as an excuse to destroy uh, our environment basically and so so that meant that because of their of that base the first thing that you know and that happens in any country really um if they want to take away rights the first thing that goes is women's rights because of the in a lot of countries uh, because of their of, of historical issues they are very hard won and so they're also very easy to go and um and so they wanted to make abortion illegal in every cases that was in 2015 when uh the leader of the congress started to to put that on the table and so that's why loads of women started to go to the street and protest that bill did not pass then but right now in fact uh, a very very similar bill is back on. Uh, uh, it's back on. So for those who don't know, then Dilma was impeached in in two thousand sixteen, which is when I, the year I started this project. Um, and Michel, uh, well, it was a crude time. Duma was was just like a puppet to to uh, uh, that was the beginning of Brazilian downfall really, because now uh, Bolsonaro is an outright you know, uh, a fascist, um, very, very, very conservative politician um, tied in with corruption from whatever side you look at and when it comes to human rights, he's an attacker of human rights from the beginning to the end. Like, um, and he, for those who don't know about some of the horrible things that he said, he he has suggested to a, Congre- a fellow congresswoman when he was a congressman, that he wouldn't rape her because she didn't deserve it. And so that's the sort of level of, uh, of, um, of the, the debate with, uh, with the president oh, yeah. of Brazil right now yeah and so uh, um, and that's just the first one. like he had said that he yeah. preferred to have a son that was that was uh, dead than a gay son, for example. that was another one of his atrocities. but um so basically that's what that was that's roughly the context. and right now, um uh, bolsonaro is 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 under scrutiny because on top of of his fascism and and his corruption there is the fact that we now have the pandemic and Brazil is on the headlines all over the world. And we, more recently, we've had more than a third of, the, of all COVID deaths in the world and uh, more than twice as much um, than the second country, which is the United States. And so we have more than twice as much a day than the United States. So we have like 30, nearly 34% of all COVID deaths right now in the whole world, just in one country. So. Things are looking pretty grim in general, um, and in women's rights in particular. Again, we are on the threat right now, so it's another reason. Right, why- this is something uh, recent, by the way. This it just came up last last week that this new bill started to be to go around again. They are sort of like pretending that this bill is a bill for to protect pregnant women. So they 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 are calling it the um the bill for yeah the bill for pregnant women and but underneath it they are like all these things that we will stop basically they want to give money to women who have been raped so that they don't um have an abortion so they they want to stop the rights that we have right now uh even though they are already so limited they want to force a woman to have uh, to have their um uh, they're abusers, buying them out they're raper like- yeah we are no, not-, not only that, they also want to force the woman who was raped and who got pregnant to tell the, the, the raper that she was pregnant so that the raper can pay a pension. Like, the, no man, no, you know, like who cares about the raper going to jail or like paying for what he's done. He's like, it's as long as he pays a pension and force the woman to have that child it would be okay. And that is obviously sarcasm, listeners, yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, and so it is, it is, um, it's, it's grim. But um, having said that, I feel um, somehow optimistic because of the, because of the, um, the strength that came from our sisters in in Argentina recently, and their fight for for abortion rights. So that was won like at the very beginning of the year. So I think that because Brazil and Argentina are two, uh, uh, are the two biggest countries in in South America. um, I think that uh, we, we have a lot in common and we have a lot, of rivalry and a, a lot of sisterhood. Uh, and so I think that this will have an impact in our system as well and in, in public opinion. So I hope for the better. So I am after all Brazilian, so I'm a little bit optimistic. Ah.
0: <laughs> Camila, I have a question for you. Um... Go on you have not only done this documentary research, this visual artist project, but you also have become um, a researcher, an academic researcher on gender studies, doing your PhD on this topic. Um, Can you share with us, why is it that, you know, they continue focusing on abortion as if it's the only thing? (laughs)
1: Mm
0: you know, related to control of women. I mean, I am trying to understand why you keep going back to it, <laughs> you know, like.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: I mean, of course, from your own view and your own research um, and of course not re- necessarily representative of all Brazilian women and all of all, you know, mm-hmm. women who have experiences.
1: Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, just, just a small correction. I, I'm trying to do a PhD now. Okay. Um, so I'm, I, I haven't I haven't actually started I'm waiting for funding I have been accepted but I haven't started because I'm waiting to see if I got funding or not um well this hopefully so-
0: this episode will spark some interesting how <laughs> yes.
1: you achieve that <laughs> hopefully yes but um, basically when I did I have done a masters in the past in photography and then I decided to do another one uh, in gender studies because um, I because this is my passion as easy as that uh, I am very interested in this interconnection between photography feminism and activism so these three things are really the base of, of my interest uh, not just academic interest but obviously my artistic interest as well, as I just described what my project was about. So I, one thing, one day I was talking to a friend of mine who's an artist as well, and I sort of realized how little we actually study academically, um, the good things, the good examples the 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 victories that we that we make as feminists you know and so and i realized that there were so few um women and and feminists that were creating artwork uh to do with with very overtly feminist causes and in particular abortion i could count like apart from me just kind of like three or four other photographers that I knew that actually really did projects focused on abortion. And so, and I was, and when I say that focus on abortion, I mean like focused on, a, with a feminist approach to abortion. That's, it's important to clarify. Um, and so that's why it sort of decided to to dive into that because I don't think it's very I don't think it's it's studied at all. Feminist photography is already understudied in general. Um, we don't have very many academics um, going for it, and a lot of them go for uh, photographers that are already sort of part of a canon in the the industry. And so I was more interested in sort of finding and um, theorizing a little bit about about Feminist photography and trying to understand what is it that photographers do. How is it that is done? You know, like I wanted to read this book. I wanted to read this this article on how is it that feminist photographers use the medium to for feminism, for feminist, for feminist, uh, um, for raising consciousness, for talking about issues that are important in the feminist agenda. So I want to know how is it that that they do, and um, and so kind of like a, that's what, where my research started, and I just I focused on abortion on my dissertation because uh, first of all because I already had uh, had published a book on it, and so I thought it would be that I would have some in like from some insiders knowledge about the subject, but also because as I said, I think that this is still so understudied. And it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a um, subject that's in constant movement because laws are changing. You know, thank God, uh, uh, thank the universe laws are changing in different places and changing for the better in most of them. And so uh, it is something that I think we still have have a lot of work to do. And uh, and also it's part of my motivation from the very beginning of the project, uh, not just to do something that's feminist, but the issue of abortion is very close to my heart because I've had um, two very good friends who have gone through this and I wish that at that time, and this was many, many years ago, I wish at that time, um both of them and me, I wish we could have seen people doing this sort of work then because I think uh, it would have been it would have alleviated some of the of the pain and the taboo that they they had to carry and they had to carry throughout the years. So I think that there's still. There's very little empathy for women who who have abortions in general and in Latin America in particular, because of our heritage, our uh, religious heritage, um, and because of the association of women with uh, motherhood, like as if this is a, a biological destiny that we cannot um, we cannot miss, that we cannot avoid. and so. I there's very little women. There's very little empathy for women who, who have abortions, and I really would like people to to rethink that because I think that's really inhumane.
0: Is it that and the reason why like governments continue pushing down these laws, administration after administration, because it's a biological destiny. Like you know, like why are you escaping from your biological? Function, you know, is, is it? I think,
1: yeah, uh, I think it is part of that, but um, I think it's just like a, um, any conservative agenda passes through, uh, bla- like blatant misogyny. You know, mm. uh, you can see that in every single country, um, and it is something that, um, like I said, women's rights is very easy to 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 tackle or to to take away because it's the same with racism, you know, like uh, uh, fascists are racist as well as they are misogynists. And so it's very easy to put themselves male, white, cis men, privileged uh, um, and, and put them, try to universalize their own experience, try to pretend that the whole world uh, should be like they are, and so it's very easy to to take away any rights from anybody else that's not them, and so and that goes women's rights, that goes LGBTQI rights, that there goes uh, um, uh, rights that are against uh, um, racist policies and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised at all they would go for that in Brazil. And not just in Brazil. I mean, like, look at the, uh, Guatemala. Yeah, and okay. it's it's really really scary in in Guatemala. The uh, the, the legislation that completely bans abortion entirely is not even is not even allowed to save the life of the woman. That was passed like in the nineties. You know, it's not something that that happens one hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. That's that's very recent. Yeah. And so it can always get worse if we don't fight. That's that's another reason why um, we should talk about it.
0: Yeah, I mean we we have just begun starting um, talking about this specific topic in the podcast. Um, but I I love also your approach to this topic, and I would like to maybe dig a bit deeper in your own feminist photography journey um, because. Mm-hmm we can, you know, intellectualize and, you know, like, talk very academically, etc. But how would you capture feelings? How do you capture stories through pictures? That's very fascinating. And that's not something that we are grown accustomed, because we, you know, in the international relations realm, we are always writing mm. and, you know, talking, but not necessarily picturing it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and what I feel very incendiary, but at the same time, very, very liberating about your own project is the fact that you do not only address the taboo of abortion, but also the liberation of the the woman's body and, you know, engaging in this um, presentation through Mm -hmm. nakedness where you're stripping away from. All the shame that you can, you know, like uh, feel because of our education system and, you know, like cultural expectations, etc. How was it the process of engaging with your interviewees and getting them comfortable, also shedding, you know, the clothes off for the picture, even if they're like, uh, um, you know, giving the backs for, for the picture? Um, how was that process of, you know, like stripping and showing skin?
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Well, um, so basically when I sent that letter to, to women in Brazil, I sent it to 60 different women in Brazil, but I sent it uh, over, I, I sent it to women that I knew personally, or that uh, women that I knew that had some kind of like a feminist approach to life. Which means that I was really asking for um I, I was asking that they were very careful because I didn't want I did not want to expose them. Well, you know, like I'm again I was asking them to share with me their biggest secret. Um but um I witnessed a very beautiful thing when I did that, because basically when I met uh somebody and then we did the the pictures and um, share the stories, and then they would, they would um, just say to me like, "Oh, is there anything else I can do, Camila, to help you?" And I was like, "Yes." Do you know of anybody else that have gone through this? And they would immediately call a friend and say like, "Look, I have Camila. She's this photographer from Maceo and she's doing this project, and she's only here for two days or whatever." Because I was traveling from different cities uh, in Brazil, and so. I would immediately get on the phone with this person that I never met and like, oh, hi, hi. Um, would you do this? Yes. When tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. before you go to work? Yeah, sure. I'll be there. And th- there I was, you know, like just a, a few hours later or the next day talking to somebody else that I've never met before. And they were sharing with me their biggest secret. So um, I think that one, the first thing was creating this environment of, um the safe environment, like creating this space in which they felt comfortable to share. And that came with both, uh, with me, with people that I knew directly, which were not that many, you know, like from the 60 that I sent, not that many after all came forward with stories. And I did not expect to, uh, to be honest. I just asked them to pass the email or the, the, the letter along to other women if they couldn't go, if they couldn't share. I just asked them to, to ask another woman or to send it to other women. And that's how I created this network. Um, so that was one thing, is was the sisterhood. The one woman like vouching for me and another woman vouching for me and then another woman vouching for me. And uh, uh, knowing that I was on their side, you know, that was very important. So as soon as we as soon as I arrived, we would straight away talk about it, and I tried to make them as comfortable as possible. so we always photographed somewhere we always met somewhere that they chose, so in a lot of the cases it wasn't their houses, but in most of other cases it was not those of other cases they did not not anything associated with their on space so we met somewhere public or we met some, in somebody else's house and um, it didn't matter we met in, in a car in loads of different places and they shared with me their stories I, I asked them always the same questions and, um, and then we took the pictures so at the end basically when it was the time for us to take the pictures to take our clothes off that genuinely was just a small detail you know that was not in itself the main feature I mean yes but not only that but mainly because we have shared already so much like at that point I I cried they cried they shared I shared and we 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 hugged we you know like I, I I was angry I was frustrated I was upset I was happy I was admiring them there was like this roller coaster of emotions and so you can see that in the pictures that um, every picture is actually very different like yeah. the, the expressions uh because i really embody those feelings because you know each story was a different story even though there were loads of similarities uh, but each story was a different story. And those stories gave me feelings that I, I, I really embodied when I was talk- when I was photographing. So a lot of them I was really angry and you can see that in my face. And you in and others i was just very sad and feeling sad for that woman in others i just wanted to protect them i just wanted to say everything is going to be okay you know like in others I, I wanted to take over the world i wanted to kind of like to punch something now like i wanted to kind of to just say you are wonderful so admiring their resilience their uh, um empowerment and and so going through that roller coaster of emotions i think we we share that moment and that's very unique. That's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. You know, that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my career. And in my life really was creating these bonds with all those women that I don't even know if I will ever see again, you know? But, uh, but their stories are out there now. And, um, and I hope that everybody hears them, hears their voice because that's why I did this project.
0: Well, um, I want to maybe tap into the whole art concept and how for the viewers or for people listening now and, you know, they're preparing and learning about, you know, the different dynamics now. But, you know, from a lenses of seeing naked women beyond the story in itself, which is a yeah. big part can be questioned or looked down upon because we are not accustomed to it we always relate yeah. to a woman's body through pornography or through exhibitionism but not necessarily through empowerment it's like if you're so empowered why are you taking your clothes up you know like all these judgments
1: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. i would like to ask you what's your view as an artist and as well as a woman and as a feminist <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, basically, photography will be forever uh, this tool that can be used both to humiliate women. You know, it like, and historically has been used to as a weapon of abuse. Uh, it was, it, it has been used to to exo- to to create like a. Um, exotic images of, of, of Americans and Native Americans in Brazil and, and in South America and North America and to exoticize the, the other, you know, like to, to put the other in that position of the exotic. It it's, was done in, in Australia, in New Zealand. So photography does have that sort of colonial history and um and there are some theories that do think that photography can never be used um like completely in a feminist way because because the body will always be um seen under the patriarchal lens. And so therefore it's always be seen as, as an objectification. How I I understand that and I respect that. I respect women who who don't want to use their body. Uh, for that, but I think that in my case, in my project, uh, it's very clear to me that um, I can take control over my own body, and I can take control over my own image. Now, when I say control over my own image, obviously I know that once this image is on the internet, I don't actually have the control of it, of who is going to how people are going to see it. Yeah, and I understand that. But what they are going to see is a very different image of a woman because it's not an an image that was made um, with, you know, it's the female gaze. It's not the male gaze. Yeah, it's not about sexualizing women's bodies. Exactly. It's not, I'm not sexualizing my own body. I'm not objectifying my own body or the bodies of those women that I interviewed, that I, I, I collaborated with. Uh, what I'm doing is taking control of my own body, which is exactly of those what those women did when they had their abortions, particularly in a country like Brazil, in which it is not legal. So what I did was taking control over my own body and saying, I can show my body with all its flaws, with all its beautiful things, if I want to, and if it is for a political cause, if it is for something that I believe. Because my point was, I needed to expose myself. So honestly, I don't really care if people um, are going to, you know, like if some people are going to objectify my body. I don't really care. Because I know that I am doing my best for people to see my work as a political um tool and my body as a political tool and i and also whenever i exhibited this project um, it was uh, the images were always followed by the testimonial of those women and so and that for me is also very important because they can look at the pictures yeah fine they can oh why are the these two women naked hugging and not in a sexualized manner you know like why are they doing this and then if they see what the picture is about they read their testimony they will know how serious the subject is and it's very important to me that people do read their testimonies or listen to it because i have uh, created uh, um, other spaces as well installations and performances and things like that so Uh, It is, it is, I understand how people feel about this, but in my case, it was a choice that had a lot more to do with uh, exposing my body and myself to feeling exposed um, because of, because of all those women that were with me. I, I needed, I needed to, to not just to show to them, but I needed to show to myself that I could commit to that you know, what they, what them sharing with me, their, their secrets uh, or their stories was a really big deal. And I wanted to be, to be in a way worthy of their trust.
0: I feel, first, I feel like you're a very brave woman. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to say it out loud. Um, I mean, we have talked previously about this and I, I feel like listening now, it just reaffirms what I believe about your work and about your political sense as well. And I I want to invite our listeners to reflect upon the gaze. I feel like that's um, something that as feminists, sometimes we um, tend to go to the political correctness of how things should do and how aesthetically pleasing they need to be. And, you Mm -hmm. know, like we often don't understand the 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 commitment goes to be owning your own subjectivity and what you said right now was very powerful it's like I can take control over my own image that in itself is a powerful statement and I don't think many of us and I you know I put myself on the line I don't feel like I have gone even to scratch the surface of what my corporal um subjectivity means you know and though I'm very open to, you know, like dance around naked in my house (laughs) and be, you know, like comfortable in my own skin. But, you know, like going up public spaces and, you know, sharing my nakedness with other women, I'm not, you know, I'm still have a lot of you know things to uncover on um, my limiting beliefs and my
1: own context yeah. but but I feel- you know like this is something this is something that I had to work with as well yeah. you know like I'm i I'm a woman just like any other with 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 the questions and but I suppose when I had the idea for the project uh that's when it showed that I am a that my my political commitments and my ideological standpoint is stronger than anything else because it was really a no-brainer, to be honest. Like, it didn't even cross my mind how, oh, this is going, but I shouldn't do that because I don't feel comfortable with my body. And I didn't, I did not feel comfortable with my body. Like most women I know, I have fought with my body my entire life my I'm not even joking I have I I, I've had issues with my body my entire life but this project really changed that because the moment I realized that I needed to show my body for because of a political tool to use it as a political tool to take control over it and over my image that's When everything changed. Like for me, when I was looking into the, when I was editing, you know, like the images afterwards, that that was another layer because I realized that could not cho- you know like if I let's say I took 10 different images uh, and they all these self-portraits I could not choose them based on how thin I looked or whether my my hair yeah. was messy or if I you know like if I oh that day I was really I was on my period so my belly my tummy is really big and so like I I really had to let go of those things and because I was like I cannot not choose this image. But that's
0: amazing. It's like how the project, you allow the project in itself, you know, like shift your own understandings and how open you were to transform your previous beliefs because I feel sometimes you know I mean in the journalistic route we often are caught like no you have to be neutral you can't you know have any feelings about stuff and you need to be like detached from your interviewees and everything's like so in a box that we don't allow the stories to shape us or we don't rethink our own relationship to womanhood or to gender, to anything really, because we're just like oh, like machines working four or five stories per day. And it's like the launch it and the next one is like, you get your source and you, we need the quote. Like we're not necessarily engaging with the people that we are interviewing. And I feel like that's incredibly valuable from your project, but also it says a lot about how you did not allow, these boxes of you know stereotypical professionalism um, affect you and and what you wanted to showcase and deliver. And I, on that point, and to close uh, this interview, I, I would like um, to know what has been the feedback of your project. Has it been welcoming? Has it really inspired someone? Or what's um what's been the the details of like the p- feedback that you have received?
1: Mostly, I would like to clarify that most people who saw my project or engaged with it um, are in Europe. So that's one. That's a very important thing because the, the my book was was published right before the pandemic started here in the UK. So I did not have the opportunity to take to Brazil yet. Um, and I have exhibited some images in Brazil, but they were in a different context of a festival, which is in itself a little bubble. And so, um, so here in the UK, um, the the um, there are two different uh, feedbacks. Uh, it's the feedback of the industry, which was a very positive feedback, uh, but also not positive enough. Like basically, I got a lot of praise from the industry, but um, very few people wanted to actually show the project. It was always like old. Oh, this is brilliant, this project is amazing, well done. But we are not interested in it right now. Uh, because I think that, because it's not just about devotion, it's abortion plus nudity. And it's nudity, as you, as we were both saying, taking from a perspective that's not objectifying, not sexualized, and it's a woman taking control, not a man. So basically, Um, in the industry I had like a little bit of this feedback I had fantastic feedback I was nominated for for a few prizes but uh, I did not I I really had big difficulties showing the project around like in exhibitions having said that um, in every opportunity that I had to talk about this project or the very few opportunities that I had to show this project the best feedback I got from people from regular people that are not from the industry are people who just after a talk or after a lecture or or after uh, an exhibition opening came to me in private and said, thank you, this is fantastic, or I've gone through this, or my friend gone through, have gone through this, or this is, this is a, a project that really touched my heart, or that it changed my mind. I have talked to people that came from very, very conservative countries, and that after talking to them for a while, and after... Hearing the stories of the women who collaborated with me, they've changed their minds about abortion, and so and for me that's the best feedback, you know. And so, um, I so I did have very good feedback in general, um, not as much backlash as I thought I would have, um, but I think that this will have will come eventually um, because the project is kind of like a have keeps having afterlife, you know. And so when it goes to different audiences, then sort of like, um, like what well, sort of, of audience it reaches. So that will come sooner or later. I'm joking, but uh, it's a very yeah. serious thing. I know, but this happens to all feminists and, and all um, especially feminist artists and, and anyone who's in the public, um, the public eyes. So, yeah, I feel um, like that's
0: a, a good Two last questions that I have, one was for all the feminists that are out there listening and that probably are into creative arts and uh, like, you know, to engage in media, um, what could be maybe um, some advice when taking over or proposing a creative project um, on
1: feminism or women's rights? Well, um, honestly, I think that it's very important for anyone who's an artist or who has a creative approach to life, um, and if you are a feminist as well, to use that, because I think that we are so divided right now, and uh, there is such such enormous backlash uh, from, um, from misogynist groups, um, after the, you know, the the this sort of like emergence of uh, of uh, of feminism, or at least the visibility of feminism that we have, because obviously feminism didn't go anywhere before; <laughs> it was always here. But uh, there is more visibility in the media right now, and so uh, inevitably there is this backlash. So I think that because of that, we are very divided as as a society, and I don't just mean here in the UK or in America or in Brazil, I mean like more generally. And so I truly, truly believe that um, the arts is a, a, a way to build bridges. I truly believe that we can reach out to people that are very different to us through the arts. And I always remember that when I when I think of all, all the obstacles that uh, um, that that all the reasons not to do a project, you know it's because I think I feel a responsibility towards this. If I am a feminist, if I, if I have a cause, I, I have to reach out. And in my opinion, the arts is a good way to reach for those people who would not listen to me, Camila Cavalcanti, as a researcher, or would not listen to me, Camila Cavalcanti, as a person, really, because they are too busy with their own prejudice about what a feminist is. Yeah. But perhaps they will look at my project and they will say, oh, shit, like the, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> damn, like this, I didn't mean to Don't say. Uh, someone would just stop and, and say like, "Oh, um, I, I, you know, like these women, they, they, it's not fair that they have gone through all of this." You know, maybe, maybe there is another side to all the stories and to my own personal beliefs. So, uh, so for any woman who, who is thinking about doing projects, I think that first of all, remember that. Remember the importance of that of your role in all this you know secondly it's like it's learn with the experience of our sisters you know like be resilient if you can you know like be if you have the tools remember your uh privilege if you have the tools to use use them use them because we need it and of course you need to take care of your own self as well. I'm not saying like, do it no matter what, you know, like put your, your own self at risk. That's not what I'm advocating here. Yes. But I'm, what I'm advocating is, if you have privilege and you are aware of that, if you are aware that you have a place, a role to play in this whole story. It's about doing what's right you know, and, um, and so uh, um, we all benefit from it. It's not just one person, we all benefit from it. As a society and as a human being, you will benefit because we, you will learn enormously and you will build bridges and connect with women and with other people uh, that are doing amazing things as well and that are, are struggling to live life just as you are. And of course, just like as there's uh, another thing, um, reach out if you need as well, like ask for help, opinions about it. And, um, you know, I'm around, uh, don't <laughs> send me an email, <laughs> drop me a line, and we. Be- I, I, I'd be happy to help, you know, uh, but, and I don't mean that, oh, I'm going to be the psychologist of the no, of no. the world, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but, you know, like I'm happy to help whoever, whoever I can. And so it's, uh, it's something that I think that we, we need to talk about and to reach out um, and be ethical, you know, like uh, feminism, there is something that's called the, the, um the feminist ethics or the ethics of feminism, especially in research, which is about, you know, trying to stop that power unbalances, try to to level out the the power structure when it comes to researcher versus research or artist versus the person that you are photographing and so on. So I think that you know if you are ethical, you think about the person next door, the person next to you and you are trying to to break these power structures. Um, remember that. You know, be sympathetic, be be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And um, that's what a a good feminist is. You know, it's it's uh, uh, it's the there is no such thing as um, um as feminism without empathy. You know, and without without caring for each other and without social justice. And so we have to remember that.
0: I love it. I have a construction happening next next door to me, but um, I wanted to share um, this is very important as well as artists, journalists, creative people To I also think that it is important to share as creative people that we also have a lens and a personal view on stuff and on stories. And sometimes we are scared that if we have a different view from the hegemonic one and we are going to create you know more p- trouble or people are gonna you know uh, judge us because we are not maybe seeing things the way that they were expecting us to see, and I feel your words are as encouragement as well, you know, as a journalist and a producer as well. sometimes you are like a bit. You know shy on how you showcase a project, but you also have your own you know moral compass and your own feminist views and your own research to stand for and you know it it doesn't have to be this hegemonic or like this only story that's universal to everybody you know like that's what's arts are about that's what stories are about it's not necessarily for everybody to you know universalize yeah.
1: everything it's just because that's not even feminist yeah, as well either you know because like yeah. feminism needs to be intersectional we we are different yes we, there is yes. no such thing as a universal yeah. experience you know like for women we're not all the same we have we all you know, like we all, uh, the only thing that we have in common is the oppression that we suffer. But we, de- we do suffer from this oppression in different levels, and some of us more than others. And so, therefore, it's important to acknowledge that. It's absolutely important to acknowledge that, to, yeah. to reach out to different uh, experiences because we are very different. So, we and we that's learn part of the each theory. other yeah. when
0: we actually take the leap in sharing our kind of view and perspectives on the stories that we interview and, and the stories that we want to tell. When we bring ourselves forward, you know, in spite of all, you know, going counter-hegematic, etc., and we dare to dream differently and to do things differently that's in itself power and um yeah I feel like that's a big encouragement I love that people can reach to you Um, we will list the description box more information about Nos Por Todas like how to find the project how to maybe contact Camila and um share your journey with her if you have um you know interesting comments about this episode Camila one last thing is what how can we reach you how can we support you you, any upcoming events that you have?
1: Um, well, you can support me by buying my book um, and that's called um, For the Lives of All Women or Pela Vida das Mulheres which is, a, it's a bilingual book so it's both in English and Portuguese and it's published by Break the Habit Press um, which is an independent um Publisher here in the UK, get the, get the book directly from them. Um, or you can, you can also find me on Twitter, um, which is CC Visual Artist, um, or on Instagram, which is Camilla um, It's Camilla with just one L. Um, and you can you can look at my website and um, drop me a line. My email is info at Camila My website's Camilla Cavalkwante.com. And um, I'd be happy to, to, to chat. To talk. So please, please um, contact me and um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing new projects, but I, I think that the best way to, to, um, to connect is, uh, uh, is sharing really and uh, if also if you want to, sh- to help the project grow um, if you know of somebody of any producer or anyone in, in especially in in latin america in south america that would like to show this this project somewhere i would be i would love to bring it to
0: bring it home
1: you know to show this project in in any latin american country um it would be fantastic so if if you know of anybody please drop me a line that would be great
0: yeah we will list all this information below on the description box so i invite everybody to go check it out and Camila, thank you so much for this conversation you brought like a lot home and um i'm very thankful and grateful for all the work that you do and yeah thank you <laughs>
1: My pleasure, Natalia. You you are doing an amazing job as well. And thank you so much for this opportunity and for creating this platform for people like me to, to have a space to talk about our projects. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.